Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. So have you noticed that some people seem to live the life of their dreams and others are struggling to connect with their passion to achieve at their highest level? Have you noticed that? Do you feel like you could do more? Maybe you could be one of those people if you just had more time. Well, lifestyle coach Chad E. Cooper is on the show today. He believes that anyone can achieve what they want, and he's here to share some strategies to help us get clear and begin the change that we desire. Are you ready to meet him? Chad E. Cooper is a coach who's leading a life of example. He's frequently requested by financial moguls, UN representatives, professional athletes, and more. He was formerly a corporate executive in the IT industry, and Chad retired at 35. He's been making an impact ever since. An accomplished athlete, businessman, philanthropist, and super dad, he's the author of Time Isn't the Problem, You Are, Four Strategies to Transform Stress into Success. You can find out more about Chad and his work at chadecooper.com. Chad, welcome to Out of the Fog. Super excited to be on here, Karen. I am really eager to share and be able to serve your audience and you today. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Good. I'm glad you're here. Maybe let's start with what brought you to this place on your journey, because you you have your own path to success. I do have my own path to success, and I thought I was on the road to success. I thought life was just going by swimmingly, and I would say that for me, things were, were really on the path of what I was supposed to be doing, but it hasn't in reality been a straight and easy path for me. When I got married, I expected that it was going to be forever, and we were together for 10 years until it ended, and when it ended, I felt like a total failure. I also expected that I would work in the corporate world forever. You know, I worked my way up the executive and, and management ladder, and at a certain point, I looked in the mirror and I said, this corporate life is not for me. And again, I felt like a failure. I mean, why and how would somebody walk away from position, title, and money? You just don't do that. I was living the life that we're told that we're supposed to live. On the outside, I looked like the poster child for being on the road to success. Inside, I was torn apart, and I felt ashamed. And one day, I woke up, and I realized that my personal and professional life were imploding one after another, and I was forced to reinvent my life. Now, if you looked at it, you'd be like, oh, poor Chad. You know, I wish I had his life. And there's a, a saying or something along the, the lines of, if everybody took their problems and threw them into one bucket, it'd take you about 10 seconds before you looked in that bucket and grabbed your problems back compared to everybody else. Hmm. So comparatively, you know, I was probably doing well. But here's the thing, to my standard, to our standards, not society's low standards, I wasn't living up to my dreams and to my potential, that life that we all dream about. 
And I was very fortunate, Karen. I actually got a second chance, and I wasn't going to waste it. I got the opportunity to decide what I wanted my life to look like and how to live it on my terms. Look, I sat on the therapist's couch. I'm a former U.S. Marine. I'm a major-sponsored Ironman triathlete. I have done many things, retired at 35. And my most proud experience is having an extraordinary marriage and being a super dad. But I had to earn that by going down and having those struggles. So I'm not immune to the hardships and difficulties, and I don't make it all Pollyanna. But there is a way out. And that's the title of the book, Time Isn't the Problem You Are. We are our own problem, but here's the news that supports us. The good news is we're also the prescription and the solution to get out of it. And so that's what we're here to talk about today. It's interesting as you're saying that about how to the outside world it might have looked like everything was okay, but inside you were imploding, you were torn apart, you felt ashamed, you are unhappy. I think for a lot of us, there comes a place where no matter how someone else might look at us, there's a place of personal pain. And from that pain, that can kind of be the, the, the catalyst for change, or it can send us back into our old patterns. It can drive us farther back into what we don't want. What was it that made you move forward? What allowed me to move forward was realizing that comparison is the thief of joy. I realized that I was trying to find my self-worth through material things, trying to define where I belonged in the world by comparing myself to others. And when I really just looked at it and said, you know, my relationship with that higher power, what, what is that really like? It allowed me to be able to say, I'm worth more than this. I mean, we all have this desire that we believe that we're meant for something bigger, but that that boulder can be so large that we go, you know, I'm already trying to hold down a full-time job and pay off a mortgage and do all these things. Man, that boulder's just too big. I'm, I'm exhausted by the end of the day. And so what made me realize I could move forward was just chipping that down one pebble at a time. And so just by doing that, not just a little bit at a time, but being persistent in doing it on a continual basis, it was about persistence and consistency that I really saw that it it was possible. But ideally, honestly, the biggest thing for me was when I was in Marine Corps boot camp. I had the flu, and the Marines aren't very forgiving when you're not feeling very well, when you're under the weather. And they have a unique way of helping you get better. And in this case, it was 45 minutes of push-ups, nonstop. Now, when I finished, I had a puddle in front of me that looked like somebody took buckets of water. And somebody was timing it. I mean, I had no idea that I could actually do push-ups for 45 minutes. And it was in that moment that I realized that when our brain is telling us, hey, this hurts, don't keep going. You know, it's trying to protect us, and it's lying to us. That we are able to accomplish far more than we ever imagined. And so the, the ability of really being grateful to the Marines and what they gave me, as well as being able to immerse myself with other people like-minded in creating that group that helped continue propelling me forward a little bit at a time and realizing it's possible. It is something that, it, that you can do. You don't have to subscribe to, you don't have to settle for life's low standards. You're not, I'm, just decide, I'm not going to roll over and let society control me. 
When I first got my hands on your book, Time Isn't the Problem, You Are, the part of me that um, still, after all these years, squirms away from responsibility says, what do you mean I'm the problem? I'm pretty sure it's someone else's problem. In fact, I think it's your problem or my mother's problem or my child's problem or somebody else's problem or I don't have enough time. Part of moving through that pain is taking then the personal responsibility. And that feels to me to be a huge part of the book is empowering the readers to take the responsibility and take the action that now moves them past that point of pain to the place where they can do more than they thought they could. There was a, a really interesting study uh, along the lines of where you're going at the Psychiatric Institute of Atlanta. And you think, well, what the heck's that have to do with time or, or are you moving forward? But they did this study, bear with me for a second, they did this study and they had these patients running around and screaming, love me, love me, won't somebody just please love me? And it wasn't until they allowed the patients to change and, and switch things up that when the patients decided to start loving others, that in turn they were able to start receiving the love that they'd been craving all their life. Mm. And so there is a level of responsibility to say, you know, if this is what I want, then I have to be in a position where I can give. Uh, I believe it's the, the Dalai Lama that says you can't give what you don't already possess within yourself. And so there's a level of responsibility. If I'm receiving stress and anger, then that's what's already within me. If I'm receiving love and gratitude and love and enjoyment, then that also is inside of me. But we have to have the responsibility, like a radio dial, old-fashioned radio dial, is to realize that we are in control of that dial. And all we have to do is change the frequency into the genre of music that we want, that we love, that is music to our ears. But most of us are just listening to white static. Mm. And all you have to do is be responsible to reach over and change that dial. Now, one of the tools that you share in the book for helping helping us move that dial is your very, I love what you write about language, the way that we use language to talk about ourselves and to talk about the things that we're doing. Can you say a little bit about that? I'd especially love for you to talk about limp language. That's a great image. <laughs> yes, that was uh, one of those that the publisher and people were like, is that really the, 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 the kind of wording that you want to put in? I said, yes. <laughs> I want the, the metaphor to, to resonate with people. But the, the first, really, there's four legs to the book. And the first is, is language matters. You are what you say. And it really is about most of us. There are, I believe, 40,000 words. I can't remember offhand. 40,000 words in the English dictionary. By far the most immersive in lengthy language in the history of the world. German comes in a distant second. Out of those, there are, I believe, like ten to 12,000 words that describe emotion. Average person uses 12. Oh. 12 words to describe emotion. You know, as a former Marine, I was happy, I was sad, I was pissed. That was it. <laughs> right? I, I, but I like to think that I've evolved. I'm a Marine and more. And so I've learned that uh, a great gift that my brother gave me one day is, He's a graphic designer, and he's looking at this. I said, oh, that's nice blue. He goes, that's not blue. What are you talking about? That's blue. He goes, no, that's fog blue or royal blue. I'm like, what? He goes, there's shades of blue. You have periwinkle. You have fog gray blue. You have royal blue, navy blue, 
all kinds of different shades. And our language is very much like shades of color. And so the more that we are able to really articulate the language to the emotion, then that's where we find the juice. That's where life comes alive for us. But most of us are walking around. And if you're like many audience listeners, maybe you have children and you feel guilty that you don't have enough time to spend with them. But here's the thing is, is are you really maximizing the time that you get to spend with them because your language isn't really dialed in and able to really influence the experience that you want? So I'll give you an example that one of my favorites that I love is most will say, you know, I have to drop the kids off at school or at soccer practice. And how do we turn that from a have-to experience into a get-through or get-to is by our language. And so on my calendar, it literally says, and I encourage our audience to look at your calendar. Does it have the word like workout? Nobody wants to work out. They want what working out is going to give them. Maybe it's a, a slimmer body. Maybe it's to look attractive for a hot date. Maybe it's better intimate time, you know, uh, when the lights go out. But when we're taking that language, if we're having to drop our kids off at school, think about what that is like. Are you driving? You're on your cell phone, returning a voicemail or a phone call. Your kids are tuned into the back seat on a smartphone or a tablet. Versus, imagine if your subject line said, I have safely traveled, spending quality one-on-one time transporting my children to school. Now, there's three premises within that that the language matters. I've safely traveled means that I've left with enough, enough time to deal with construction, congestion, or accidents. So that I'm not being that influence that somebody who's cutting me off, I'm not giving them, let's say, a certain hand gesture <laughs> that our children are observing. And then maybe modeling, right? But I'm not leaving stress. Hurry up, get your crap, and we got to get to school, right? I've given enough buffer to be present, to be the values that I want my children to instill themselves. Spending quality one-on-one time means that they're not tuned into a smart device or a tablet. I'm not on a cell phone but we're actually inter- interacting and chatting. Does that make sense? It does. It's wonderful. And it. I was um, thinking of you today as I was driving to the radio station. Before we came to the station, I was dropping my son at gymnastics. And as I was driving back, having done a great job, interaction in the car. Now the radio was on and there was singing and dancing, which is how we roll in my family. Um, so, And I drop, him nice. off, I drop him off at gymnastics and I'm coming back and I'm going to stop and pick up some coffee and do some stuff. And I thought, because I'd been reading your book, I'm not just doing errands. I am an expeditionist, right? So you can use those words, use that special language, that kind of enhanced language also to talk about who you are and what you're doing, not to pretend that it's more interesting, but to kind of speak more fully into what it is that you're really doing. How are you using your time? It's an expedition. Yes. And so I take that language. Next step to that as you're doing is give your roles, responsibilities, some really delicious names. That's why I'm, you know, a dad. A father or dad has some negative connotations for certain people. May I have a positive connotation? So for me, I'm super dad. Super dad is not the guy sitting on the couch drinking a beer, watching the football game. That's a different role if I choose to do that. But super dad has to be active, has to be participatory in his children's lives. And just like when you go to the grocery store, that time for me is excursionist. For you, it's 
<laughs> I said expeditionist, like a like an explorer, right? Which, Leading an expedition. Yes, which is very different than an exhibitionist. We don't oh. want to do that at the grocery store. <laughs> That's a whole other show. That's got the police That's reports and the show. videos and that we don't do that here, no. <laughs> <laughs> but think about when you go to the grocery store on an expedition, now you're creating the experience that really creates a memory that lasts, a story that when your kids come home, I mean, how many parents take their kids to the grocery store? In this case, you got fortunate. You didn't have to this time. But how many of us go to the grocery store and it's drudgery with or without the kids? But if we're going on an expedition, it changes what values show up. It changes and creates the experience that honors the values you most want to instill in your own life. And so language is that critical to our success. Language is that critical to generating a legendary lifestyle. And it changes the way I would imagine over time, changes the way you think not only about what it is that you're doing, taking the kid to gymnastics or to school or whatever, going to the store, but also changes the way, helps you tap into your greatness, who you really are. In more ways than people really can imagine. It really allows us to look at and say, you know, what's my purpose? Many people think, you know, purpose is a job title or how much money you make or the kind of car you have or the position uh, that you, the company that you work for, et cetera. But purpose isn't one thing. Purpose is about experiences. So when people come to me and say, I don't know what my purpose is or I can't get clarity, purpose is about experiences that we want to have. And the best way we can have those experiences are by honoring our roots, our values. And the fastest way to do that is through our language, to support those experiences in, in happening. Because we go to the grocery store and we have to act appropriately. That's who? <laughs> Why can't we get on that cart and spin down the aisle? Why can't we just have fun and put a joy, you know, a big smile on our face and stop and Say, you know what, I really like that spaghetti sauce. If I see that you're taking a look or just help somebody with some kind of generosity. Mm-hmm. You can create those rules. And by doing that, you're serving your purpose. And that is, is we want to both win for ourselves and be able to help other people win at the same time. Isn't that really where we get fulfilled? Isn't that where life really starts to come alive for us is when we're able to take our luxuries, our winning, the things that we're blessed with, and be able to share those beyond ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's about us realizing, I think, and you said it beautifully, we're talking about what the Dalai Lama said, we cannot give something that we don't already possess. It helps us remember the abundance that we're sitting in all the time, not just like monetary abundance or, or physical things, but the abundance of laughter and joy and connection and adventure and fun that really is around us all the time. It doesn't mean every minute is a laugh riot, but that we have, we are supported by, held up by that powerful, positive energy. That to me is about divine connection. What, what flows underneath everything. And when I think we look at what is allowed, I'm a big, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm very rule-based, right? I act very properly when I go to the grocery store. But one of the things that I see all the time, always, I would never spin down the aisle. Um, but okay, maybe once if nobody was looking and it was like three in the morning. As long morning. as you're not getting caught. As long as I'm not caught, as long as the security cameras are off. Because again, we don't want that thing with the police reports and the video. We can't ever talk about that. Um, 
but there's a sometimes that what I see in my work is that people who are wanting to get to the next level get stuck in this is not allowed, this is not available to me, this is not open to me. And part of the work in shifting that is to look at why is it not allowed? Where does that limitation come from? What voice is it telling me I may not earn more money, I may not have a happy relationship, I may not be fulfilled in my job? Where does that limiting voice come from? And when we break through that, what is allowed, and realize that, yes, this is allowed, we can try this, that changes everything, opens up a huge door. I, I couldn't agree more. And that's why one of the, the chapter that I did not want to write, Karen, was You Are Divine. That was the chapter that I, I resisted. And I said, who am I to have the ability to, to share something that theologians have, have discussed for thousands of years? You know, act your age, be appropriate. And what does spiritual have to do with this? What does spiritual have to do with time is everything. Mm-hmm. And so for our audience, where we learn these things, you know, we don't, we aren't born hating people. It's learned. We aren't, we don't get born to act appropriately. We are trained to do that, which also means that we can be trained to undo that and to start living fully. And there's seven characteristics, seven values that I use that I want to share with the audience today. Now, the book goes into much deeper detail on how to actually do this because we have a limited amount of time. But so that people understand, hey, at any point, if I want to see, am I on track or am I starting to veer off course? Am I doing something that isn't accepting, you know, maybe society standards, but it's actually the right thing to do? Or am I doing something that's against society and it's really not great judgment? There are seven qualities that I use to determine, am I actually moving forward in the right direction? Am I still pointed north? And I break it down in, in the spiritual realm between masculine and feminine. This is not male-female. It's not gender-specific because we are all masculine and feminine. In the Far East, we call this the yin and the yang, or yin and yang. In these seven qualities, the masculine or the hustle piece in us, right, there are times where we have to hustle, got to get things done, got to harvest those crops so we survive, so that we can actually thrive and sell them for a profit. And then there's a time, the feminine, where we need to be in flow, where we have that frequency, we have wavelengths, and that's where we fill up. And so for the masculine, you can ask yourself, you know, am I showing up as a King Arthur? And as a King Arthur, here was a man with a mission, The masculine side wants a mission, something that they feel worthy to pursue. Second is is a purpose. I'm sorry, second is is freedom, right? So mission and purpose are, are very similar. Second is freedom. How many of us say, well, I'll do this in a relationship if I get something in return? So you're saying, I'm willing to do this mission, but I'm not freely doing it. I'm doing it under duress because in order for me to get mine, I have to give you yours. And that's where we start coming up short. That's where time starts stressing us out. So if we're able to find our mission, serve it from a place of freedom, and do it from a place of love, then we're still moving in the right trajectory. We're really moving through life quite well. Mm. The other side is the feminine. And this is being able to fill up. Now, the opposite of mission, very similar, but it is different, is adventure. 
The feminine wants, the flow wants an adventure, but we want the safety and assurance in that adventure. So for the feminine, we have adventure, we have safety, we have filling up, and then we have the ability to speak the truth through love. Mm. Now we see in our presidential debates, regardless of what side you're affiliated with or support, these are people that have a mission. Can we agree? Yes. Are they free in their pursuit for whatever political position they're going for, let's say presidency? Hmm. Are they? I think that, I think that they're choosing to do this. I think that they're both passionate about it. Mm-hmm. The question that I believe is missing in both candidates is are they able to speak the truth in love? Yeah. And I think that's the part when we go to vote at the polls that why so many people, when they walk away from voting because it's our, our God-given right, are going to feel dirty. And see, it's just missing one quality that can make us step out of that spiritual piece, not be aligned at our highest self. But when we have all seven of those, that's when we connect to God. That's when we are in our divinity nature. That's where we have conversations and life is really worth living. Mm. This is beautiful. And I know we're right up. We're just crashing into the bottom of the hour here. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Chad E. Cooper. His new book is Time Isn't the Problem, You Are, Four Strategies to Transform Stress into Success. There's more about Chad and his work at chadecooper.com. That's C-H-A-D-E-C-O-O-P-E-R.com. When we come back after this short break, I want to ask you, Chad, about a little bit about time management, about some of the fallacies, about how we can start to now use the time we have to change our lives. We'll be right back after this. Kids have the craziest ideas about food. Where do they get this stuff? Like eating Brussels sprouts helps you hit home runs. And eating carrots gives you x-ray vision? It's nuts. And I honestly have no idea where my daughter got this notion that broccoli is the official food of professional ballerinas. Kids, the only reason my four-year-old loves cantaloupe is because he's convinced it comes from the moon. Run, small step for man, lots of potassium for mankind. And the other day when my oldest came up to me and said, Mom, will eating peas and carrots really help me pull off a fakey frontside ollie with a twist? I look him in the eye and say, it can't hurt, honey. It can't hurt. Moms everywhere are finding creative ways to help their kids eat five servings of fruit and vegetables a day. Get ideas, get involved, get going at letsmove.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, 
Let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Wildfires burn millions of acres across the country each year. And each year, wildland firefighters battle to contain them. But they can't do it alone. For some communities, it's not a question of if wildfires strike, but when. And a single ember can travel more than one mile. As it twists and turns and floats through the air, that single ember can find its way to where you live and can ignite and destroy your home or your community. That single ember can be just as dangerous as the wildfire itself. You can't control where the ember will land, but you can control what happens when it does. You can take action now to prepare your home and your community for wildfire. Get fire adapted. Learn what you can do now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. Prepare, protect, prevail. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. Empowerradio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Chad E. Cooper. His new book is Time Isn't the Problem, You Are, Four Strategies to Transform Stress into Success. And you can find out more about Chad and his work at chadecooper.com. And of course, I always welcome your uh, feedback, your comments on what you're hearing. I love hearing your personal stories. Is there a way in which you have used language creatively to kind of help you move past fear, to help you move past that place of pain? Is there a way in which you have connected with your purpose and it's changing your life? You can always reach me via email. My email address is karen at karenhager.com. And of course, karenhager.com is the website where there's all the good stuff about what's coming up on the show and classes and events and all that stuff. Now, Chad, before the break, we were talking about those really important touchstone, those those kind of those values, those things you can check in with to be sure that you are on track. And one of the things that happens with time management, the way we think about how much time we have and what we want to do with it, is we start to think that if we just had more time, sure, I could be Oprah if I just had more time. Sure, I could be a super mom if I just had more time. That's maybe a fallacy, isn't it? Well, it's absolutely a fallacy, and that's why I have the rule of 168. And the rule of 168 is one week's worth of time. So how can it be true that if we just had more time, we could do those things? When we have examples, regardless of what you think of, of these people, but we've got Oprah Winfrey, who has been successful in many different measures, has billions of dollars, and uses that for charity and is able to, to serve her life in luxurious ways as well as in service-leading ways. We have Bill Gates. This is a man that is the richest man in the world and can fly halfway around the world to serve other people and yet run multi-billion dollar companies still. Sir Richard Branson, and the list goes on and on. So the thing that we look at is the stories in the environment that we say, oh, this is what's holding me back. But the reality is, is we're all equal in one particular way. doesn't matter what our gender is. doesn't matter what our ethnic background is, sexual orientation. doesn't matter where we started out in life economically. We're all equal in that we get one week's worth of time, 168 hours. It's how we use that time 
that separates the boys from the men and the girls from the women, the ordinary from extraordinary. And so we go through and look at how you're structuring your time is really about the ability to lift yourself out of the fog. How can we start to get a better idea then of, of how we are using our time? When I think about allocating, yes, it's a certain amount of hours to sleep and a certain amount of hours with the business, and, but I have a lot of time that I'm not sure what I'm doing because I'm on Facebook or I'm messing around on Netflix. There's some kind of vague time in there for me. So there's a number of ways that we can measure it. The important thing is, is we have to measure it. Look, if we used a map, and I'm not talking, you know, Google Maps or any of these other GPS systems, ways or whatever you may use today, but an old-fashioned map. A map is only as good as it has the ability for three things. We need to know three things. The first is where we are. You go to a mall kiosk, and there's a big red circle on the map that says, You are here. You are here. And so we need to look at our lives and say, where am I? If I want to be super mom and an extraordinary CEO, chairman, where am I today? You know, how far off that mark am I? How close am I? The second thing a map needs to have is what? A destination. We have to know where we want to go. And so that's where, is, you know, the, your show is out of the fog is, most of us are using limp language, and we come back to that is limp language. I want more, right? I want more money. And I'll reach into my pocket and hand somebody a nickel and say, congratulations. But well, that's not what I meant. No, but that's what you asked for. And that's what the universe will, will reward us with. So time is the same opportunist. We could have the Grim Reaper come knock on our shoulder, tap us on the shoulder. If you don't know who the Grim Reaper is, he's the guy that comes get you when you're dead or tell you that you're about to die. If the Grim Reaper came and showed up today and said, it's time to go, how many of us would say, wait, I just need one more week to get my affairs in order. I need one more week to say my goodbyes to my family who I haven't spent enough time with. And the Grim Reaper is likely to say, wait a minute. It's already been 39, 40 weeks out of the year. What have you done with those 40 weeks that I should give you one more? So if we want to be an extraordinary parent, we have to make sure that our time is managed in extraordinary ways. And the third thing that a map needs is a measurement system. If you don't have a scale, then you don't know if you're veering off course. You don't know if you're taking the most efficient route. You don't know if you're about to come into congestion or construction or an accident. And so by having those three things, then we can effectively manage our time. And there are many tools out there today. I've used one for years called Rescue Time, and I support them because it automatically tracks my time. And what we will quickly see is, do we really use Facebook in a strategic or surgical manner, or do we use it as a distractor, as a way to procrastinate? And so the first truth is really kind of part of the book, time isn't the problem you are, is are we being honest? So if you really want to have that transformation, you really want to get out of that fog, we have to use clear and concise language. Then we have to measure where we're actually spending our time. Because until we admit that we're not spending it in a quality way fully, then we really have no chance of turning it around.
Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And it makes me think about my relationship with my partner and my kids. And I do use Facebook as a distraction, I'm sure, as many of us do. And kind of, I don't even know what I'm doing on there. It's not strategic at all, fooling around. And it makes me think about how implementing some of the strategies in the book might affect relationships. Can you say a little bit? Because it feels like if I am then more conscious, more joyful, more attentive, more present in my relationships, those are going to start to change as well. Indeed. And so it's not that we don't want to enjoy maybe watching Netflix or TV or the Olympics recently or just seeing what's going on in Facebook. But if that's our intention, we need to decide, are we being intentional where we're spending our time? And put a limit. Say, hey, I'm just going to go here and goof off for 20 minutes or whatever time set you, you want, and then you call it quits. Because if we don't, an hour can go by. Now, if we spent 20 minutes connecting in on Facebook, and then we took the difference of that and spent the other, say, 40 minutes connecting with our family, what would 40 minutes of quality time every day or maybe just even twice a week I believe that most people, are, they go way too hard. They try to shift. It's kind of like a rubber band. If you pull too hard, it's going to snap back and it's going to hurt. Mm. And so if we say, hey, instead of saying every day, seven days a week, I'm going to spend 40 minutes with my, my loved one, and I've done the studies. Most people don't spend that much quality time with their spouse. So if we just said, you know what, let me win by saying two days. Let me just start with saying, let's define and schedule on our calendar two days for 40 minutes that we're just doing something fun, exciting, passionate, intimate, extraordinary, where we can connect with each other at a meaningful level. You just do that, and then a couple weeks later, maybe add a third. Then we start making that change and get outside of our comfort zone just a little bit at a time. And as we do that, our comfort zone gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. So it's not just persistence, it's about that consistency as well. And when we do that, then we start designing an intentional life. We start maximizing and turning that 168 hours into us managing our calendar rather than our calendar controlling us. That's a big one, us managing our calendar instead of our calendar managing us. That's that's huge. And the thing I'm remembering what you said at the beginning of the show about how you did the hand gesture in the car or hypothetically did a hand gesture in the car that then is modeled and picked up by your child. Uh, hypothetically, <laughs> yeah. Because you never, ever would, of course, but of course um, not, hypothetically. No. But the same is true with what we model for relationship, what we model for our children, what we model for our partners, what we model for our colleagues and the kind of uh, like freely given attentive present engagement that we model in our relationship that that effect spreads this is i often say on the show this is how the good people take over the world right it's in little moments like that because it spreads we model that people see that then they do that and then things change and so i'll go back to those seven qualities karen that we were talking about so if we want to to model those characteristics we start with looking at our calendar and it's actually the last section, the fourth quadrant of the book, because we have to build a foundation first. But when we get there, we have these seven characteristics, and we can say, you know what, let me look at what's in my calendar. Block the time. If you want an extraordinary relationship, take a look and ask yourself, how much time are you literally 
blocking to create that. If you want to have a rock-hard sculpted body, you want to be an Adonis or a masterpiece, are you blocking the time? Then once we do that, look at the subject line and ask yourself, is this a get-to or a have-to? Do I know my mission? Am I free in the pursuit of this activity that's coming up? Am I able to pursue it from a place of love? Is there a sense of adventure? Do I feel safe in actually pursuing this? Do I feel like I'm filling up and I'm able to do it by speaking the truth in love? Now, ideally, if we can have all seven, man, you're going to be blown away just in a week's time what your life will transform into. But if we have at least four or five in there, then we know that we're getting it right. Because the reality is there are some things at times that just become a have to. We're choosing to. But we still want to take a look at those things. We have to go to a job? No, you get to be employed. You get to go serve other people and receive a paycheck. So find in the language the ability when you put it on your calendar to make it meaningful so you're creating the experience that honors your values. And you can do the litmus test, the, the measure, by those seven qualities, those seven characteristics. Now, in your uh, practice as a coach and in all the other things you do, you are involved with and working with people who are at a really high level of success. And I'm curious, are the challenges and the desire to grow, is that different for people who have reached a higher level of achievement than, let's say, the Olympic athlete? Are those different kinds of challenges, different desires for growth than it is for someone who is maybe beginning this journey? You know, I would love to say these people are special, they're unique, they're one of a kind. The reality is, is perhaps they have more zeros in their bank account than the average person. But these people are dealing with the same issues as you and I. It just may be a different vehicle. So they are still dealing with, hey, I've worked with, you know, I coach Olympians and professional athletes. And I coach a number of Major League Baseball players, world champion boxers, NFL, NHL, you name it. I, I coach some extraordinary people. And these people are the same people that are saying, man, I'm struggling with a $40 million contract renewal, but my game's off and I can't seem to get, it, get in the game and, and per, perform at the best that I can because I'm worried about whether my wife is having an extramarital affair. You know, is that any different than somebody in a corporate job? Right. No, they're the same issues, just a slightly different vehicle. And that's really about what it's about, is when you're not on the mound pitching and going for that contract, are you being purposeful or are you using a story, an excuse when you come home? Oh, I'm trashed. That game was exhausting. I don't have the energy to give the most important people in my life the energy that they deserve. And it comes down to the fact that they aren't being deliberate. They aren't actually using language that matters. And so when we use limp language, as that metaphor kind of illustrates visually, that's the kind of performance that we're able to play out and nobody's satisfied. Does that answer your question? It does. And it, it's, it's just making me think that sometimes what we think separates us from those people who, quote, have it all. The differences that we think are there, they have it all because they have everything or they have a private plane or they're a major league baseball player, that those differences are not actually the things that 
separate us, right? That we're all on the same journey, all working really toward the same goal, struggling with those same points of pain and change and challenge. So we uh, maybe fool ourselves a little when we look at Oprah um, and, and go, yes, I could, yes, that she's got everything. Because probably Oprah is a real person. I'm just guessing here, probably a real person with points of pain and challenges and growth, just like everybody else. She's, yeah, I think it's no secret. She struggles with weight management mm-hmm. and having an optimal health. Yep. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. What she hasn't mastered, as far as I know, she, she works at it, but she hasn't mastered the identity of what an optimal health is and be able to actually create the time in the language and the subject line of what she wants to do. My guess is that it's a workout mm. versus, you know, I, I had the extraordinary opportunity to, over the last couple of years, I combine charities and adventure. And it helped serve my foundation down in Guatemala. And so last year was taking 10 professional life coaches through the world's toughest workout, which is three days of the Navy SEAL Bud School. Wow. It, like the real Navy SEAL program, right? The year before that was going across the Grand Canyon and back in two days, 54 miles, 12,500 feet of elevation, the elevation of Mount Everest over two days. Wow. Now, those are not ordinary normal feats, but you accomplish that by being able to do that a little bit at a time, but we can make the excuse or we can look at it and say, I get to do this. And so whether you are saying, Hey, this is a workout or in my case, I had hip surgery, tore my hip bone off or the hip ligament off the hip bone. I've shredded my right shoulder because of my Ironman years. You know, I've abused my body. It's worn out. I could use that as an excuse Or I can look at it and say, you know, I really don't have the workout language on my calendar structured in the right way. So I don't put workout on my calendar. What it actually says is inspiring others by example and leading the team to victory. Another one, because I have to keep it mixed up, is another workout will say inspiring my son what's possible through physical health. So it's about taking that and putting that meaning in a way that creates the experience that really matters. Our children are watching us. Do they see us just working out in the drudgery? Or do we mix it up and have fun and maybe go out and play some street hockey with them? Or do we go out and ride a bicycle with them? Do we go to the lake and play and find ways that we can interact and accomplish both? That that kind of language also you talk in the book a little bit about cleaning um about cleaning as i may not get the words exactly right here but about enhancing your space or uh beautifying my wife's environment ah beautifying your wife's environment um that kind of language really makes a difference we saw in our i have two teenage sons who are not inclined to do chores And after a wonderful summer, what my partner did when we came back was she had the great idea to put, we always have had a a chore chart that was largely dusty and ignored, you know, cobwebs growing over it and nobody did anything. She changed the title of the chore chart to, I love my home. And when she changed it to, I love my home, we all started coming and looking at the, and really we're doing our chores now. And it's silly, but it also is true just shifting that language not here are the things you have to do darn it it's your night to do dishes it's your night to do laundry i love my home for in our family really opened something up exactly 
And that's what it's about is really being able to tie it to what really matters. I'll be honest. You know, I don't clean my house anymore. We have a service that comes and, do, and does that. But here's the thing is this is about leverage and being smart. Beautifying my wife's home doesn't mean that you have to necessarily do the work. It means that today we can either use technology or other resources to get the same result. And while somebody's cleaning that house, I'm actually able to serve other people and create a revenue that makes a whole lot more than the cost of writing that house cleaning check. Mm-hmm. But the result is the same. My wife is radiant and is filled. She's full of joy when she smells and feels a clean house. And when she does that, she feels sexier. And when she feels sexier, I win. And we won't go into how I win, but I think you can use your imagination. (laughs) And so the the result of that is, is everybody is able to have enough. That's where the spring well inside of us creates the joy, creates the energy and the passion that we really are looking for. So it doesn't mean that we always have to do the work ourselves. Look for technology. Look for leverage. Look for the language that can transform the experience and really create the results that you're intending. That's beautiful. And I know as we get uh, kind of about five minutes away from the top of the hour here, I'd love for you, I'd like to hear more about the work that you do as you're giving back to the world, because I know you are active in mission work and other work, as you said a little bit about. And I'd also like to know how readers, how listeners can get in touch with you, find out more about your work and connect with you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Karen. So my philanthropy work has been something that when I retired, I felt very passionate about. And it's always been my mission, my purpose to put more in this world than I take out of it. And I kind of stumbled on this in the most unusual way. I said, I always wanted to go on a mission trip. And God responded and said, great, you get to lead the team. And I went, wait a minute, that's not what I asked for. So that I want more money, here's five cents. I'm very, (laughs) I am also uh, a result of, I want to go on a mission trip and not being clear that the universe said, great, here's your mission trip, you lead the team. (laughs) Because I didn't define what the parameters were. That has actually transformed in, in, put me into doing this year in, year out. We actually have a a whole facility in Guatemala. And the reason that that matters is that we can achieve, we've seen the John Belushi's, uh, Robin Williams, Philip Seymour Hoffman, names after names, celebrity, fame, money, status. They had it all, except they didn't have the spiritual fulfillment. They thought, if I do enough, if I achieve enough, then I'll be enough. And it's the wrong order. The order is be, do, become. And so I've learned some time ago that it's about our ability to be able to say, hey, I can be self-serving and servant-leading at the same time. Spiritual awakening, getting out of the fog, isn't an or conversation. And so if we have to leave the audience with one thing, it's not about an or, you know, material or spiritual You know, I have the material and I have to disregard the spiritual because it it conflicts with it. Or I'm all spiritual, so I have to abandon all the material. I believe that it can be an and conversation. And I believe that you become alive when you're able to reach your, your personal and professional triumph and joyfully be able to donate back by sharing your good fortune with humanity. That's when we move from happiness to real fulfillment. 
when we're able to share our blessings beyond ourselves. Mm. And so that's why it's important that I, I am going to New Zealand and leading the trip uh, here shortly. I have the foundation that we am a founding board member in Guatemala and involved in, in my local church in many respects because that is what actually brings the joy to life. We have to get outside of ourselves to really make it the impact. And can you share your website and let the listeners know where, where they can, how and where they can connect with you? And also, I'd love to know if there's more writing coming from you, sir. I know maybe you were a little reluctant <laughs> to do this book, but I'd like another one, please. So is there more? I have had that request. I am taking that request under consideration. <laughs> and yes, I'm sure there's another book. Uh, but right now, you can just go to chadecooper.com. You can find out. You can pick up the book at Barnes & Noble. You can pick it up at Amazon. You can pick it up in your local store, in Costco, airports, etc. So it's, it's out in all major areas, as well as the audio version will be out in a couple months as well. So if you have Audible as an example, you can download and, and own the audio version as well. And then for those that are really wanting to dig in, for those that are truly committed, saying, you know, I'm not going to be satisfied by playing small anymore. I'm absolutely all in. I've actually given the system that I've used for my billionaire clients, my professional athletes and Olympians and, you know, CEO, chairman, uh, homemakers, the people that have been really committed, I'm making that accessible now in a membership to people. And you can find that information on the website as well. You just go to chattycooper.com forward slash legendary lifestyles. And we're actually doing a deep dive into creating your legendary lifestyle. So if the book isn't enough, we've got a whole nother level, but it is application based only. And we don't take any dabblers. So that's for the people that say, I'm all in, I'm ready to go. I'm burning the boats. <laughs> I love that. No dabbling. Dabbling can be um, kind of like being on Facebook and not doing anything and wondering where the time went. That's what happens when you dabble, I think. So that's good. Wonderful. Dabbling to me is, I love the analogy of even a dead fish can float downstream. <laughs> you need to be the salmon and go against the current because that's where the reward is. Mm. Chad, thank you so much for being on the, on the program. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Likewise. Absolutely. I, uh, I hope that people are able to take one, two, take all of these tidbits, uh, buy the book, because, and I don't say that for, for a selfish purpose, but the number one thing I've noticed is that people say, I was hoping I was just going to go through the book and just get it done. And they said, man, you really kind of irritated me because I'm reading and doing the homework, and it's actually making a difference. So the point of the book is not just to inspire you, it's to transform you and transform others, most immediately in your family. And that's how, we, that's how we win. So thank you for allowing me to win and be a guest today. Oh, wonderful. Pleasure. Thank you, Chad, very much. That's Chad E. Cooper. His new book is Time Isn't the Problem. You are Four Strategies to Transform Stress into Success. Find out more about Chad and his work at chadecooper.com. And if you are not a dabbler, if you're ready to burn the boats, you can go to chadecooper.com slash legendary lifestyles for a little bit more of an in-depth look at what is available to you there. And of course, I'd love for you to stop by karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. 
look at how you can work privately with me, send me your feedback about the show. My email address is Karen at KarenHager.com. If you believe, as I do, that the times that we're living in require collective intention, require prayer, require us sending positive energy into a world that is hurting, I invite you to check out Opening the Peaceful Heart. That is a monthly free meditation that takes place the first Sunday of every month. You can get details about that at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.